The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And today we're going to answer a letter from somebody who is contemplating reconnecting with an old friend. But mm. before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. Correct. We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. What's the check-in topic for today? Okay. Our check-in topic is inspired by a letter. The letter is from June Lowe, whose pronouns are she, her, and who's writing from Malaysia. Um, and basically June writes that she had been in a long-term relationship. And then when she got out of it, she kind of went through what she calls a hoe phase. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, you know, was carefree, did the things that she wanted Liberated. to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and now is starting to date someone who feels kind of weird about the body count that she has, which is a term that I hate. I hate <laughs> so that. I hate, I hate I, that term. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> not to not criticizing you, June. Uh, I It's a phrase that more we all li use. More like linguistically, we're criticizing. <laughs> linguistically, I hate it. Yes. Yes. We're criticizing <laughs> the fact that you language. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, her her current boyfriend is worried that she is going to cheat on him. He feels that she, he's not special, that he's not her first choice. Um, and her question is basically like, 
how do I navigate this? And how do I convince this person that like, just because I've slept with a number and I'm not saying like big or small, I'm just saying a number of people yeah. that it doesn't mean anything about my ability to be faithful. It doesn't mean anything about how much I love this person or want to be with this person. And yeah. I thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about body counts. Cause I feel like we talked about this maybe at the, like in the first few months of our podcast, but as we have grown and evolved. I'm sure that our, our feelings about body counts uh, have probably also changed. So yeah, body counts. How do you feel? Uh, no, you hate the term, but I hate why the do you term. Hate it? I hate the term because it's like it's so violent. <laughs> yeah, nobody's dying. Like, why yes, are we? <laughs> yeah, and I actually don't. Um, I don't. I don't like talking about sexual histories in any way that is. Um, could be construed as like quantifiable in a shamey way, you know, yep. like what's mm -hmm. your count? What's your number? Da, 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 da. As though we're like carrying around our past partners as like leeches all over our body, you know, like. Right. Or like leeches are like some sort of like kill tally. You know what yes, I mean? Where totally. it's like, and it's like, Ugh. or that, and I, I feel like any sort of language around count um, goes hand in hand with the, misnomer that like you are looser if you have more sex or like you're you're ruining your purity if you have x amount of um partners you know like notches on your bedpost like your bedpost is no longer pristine and clean mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so i i i'm resistant to any language like that because for me even though I've always felt very um, open and, and pro-sex, I carried around a lot of shame about the past sex and the past partners I had had for years, like well into my, what I would argue is like my adulthood. And then one day I was, um, I don't remember what I was doing, but I, I had like this epiphany of like, oh, those past partners aren't like on me. They aren't like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not like carrying them around in some mystical fucking way, but I had been taught that I was, I've been taught that I am a product of my sexual history and a sum or a negative of, of those, those interactions. And that's just mm -hmm. not true. We are not defined by our past partners. We're not defined by our past. Like uh, when our worthiness isn't defined by like how much sex we have or haven't had. Like that is such mm -hmm. a fucked up lesson that we te teach young people so early that like your sexual history is some somehow connected to your inherent value as a person. Um, and I had to like uncode that in me well into my t late twenties, you know, like I carried that shame with me, um, yep. through my twenties. And I just, I, that's why I don't like that word, but going back to the actual idea or, or the question of the letter about like, you know, disparaging or excuse me, disparate body counts in relationships and the tension mm -hmm. that that can cause. I, have empathy for because I have I have totally been there. I've totally been threatened by my uh, boyfriend who like was just more sexually 
um, active than I was with more partners and in more yep. spicy ways. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I was definitely uh, threatened by that in the past. So I definitely empathize with this, but I am... I did a lot of work to sort of unearth why does it make me uncomfortable um, and why do I feel so threatened by this thing that isn't showing up in our current relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of it has to do with sitting with the discomfort of like love and vulnerability, which and that discomfort is like, oh, my God, they have liked other people. They have lusted for <laughs> yeah. other people. I'm not uh -huh. uniquely special in that way, although they're choosing to be with me. Like it's all, I don't know. Help me yeah. out here. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, yeah, I think that I've had a similar experience of dating somebody who had a, a much higher number of people that he had slept with and really struggling with it. Um, mostly because like those people are all also his friends. <laughs> so they were like just all around all the time. Uh, and he like cheated on me in the beginning of our relationship. So there were a number of things that were sort of impacting that. Yes. Um, but I do think that it sort of relates to this idea that like, you know, we all, or many of us really want to be special, right? Like we want to be chosen. We want to be the person that the, that our loved one like has seen through all of the magic of the world to like come to as like a pure, our love is so pure if we've never been tarnished by other things in the past. Um, and I think that that's like, I think that there's like a whole mythos around that, right? Like this idea that like we're somehow fated to be to like come together and like we are supposed to be in a relationship because of like the cosmos or whatever. So the idea that you would have sex with somebody before you found the one means that you've somehow like tarnished the pristineness of this like soulmate relationship that we might have. Right. Totally. And it's like, um, yeah, that's not actually it. Right. Um, and that is like a really sort of, um, monogamist way of thinking. And I, I turn mm -hmm. that in sort of like monogamy industrial complex, like everyone is supposed to be monogamous and we're only supposed to be with one person. And that person is supposed to be of the opposite sex of you. And you're supposed to get married yeah. and have babies and live in a house in the suburbs or whatever. Yeah. Right? Like that sort of narrative, I think plays into this where it's like, Oh, you, you really, um, you don't have faith in the, sort of like fate of our relationship if you're out there sleeping with other people as opposed to like oh God, waiting so for true. me to come into your life and like us to find each other like we were meant to. Um, I think that that's part of it. And like part of, I think, demonogamizing our mind is about losing some of this ownership over other people to say like, other people get to have rich lives before they come into ours and they get to have rich lives even as they're coming into ours, right? Like right. they- they get to exist as whole people who have had relationships and experiences and we didn't own them before they met us and we do not own them now. So right. it's about kind of pushing back against that, that sort of monogamy centric thinking yeah. um, that we've all been, or at least lots of us have been like sort of um, indoctrinated with for a very long time. And again, think, there's nothing wrong with monogamy. I am in a monogamous relationship. Like right. that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like no. the assumption of monogamy or the like putting monogamy on sort of a pedestal around this is, this is how people are always supposed to do it. That really challenges us because it, it 
we make a lot of assumptions about what relationships are supposed to look like that aren't actually true in real life and maybe different for different people. When I'm feeling these feelings of insecurity and jealousy, I have to tell myself that um, I have to not just demonogamize my mind, but I have to undo like the societal conditioning that I have had done to me that tells me that somebody's sexual sexual history tells me something about their trustworthiness, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. about mm-hmm. their worth, you know, their value. Like just because um, you're just because you had a time in which you were really sexually active, had multiple partners, that doesn't mean you are incapable of a um, monogamous relationship if you tr- choose to be in one or that you're un- incapable of trust. You know, I also think like to, to the boyfriend or to anybody who's struggling with this, I have literally had to like sit myself down and say to myself, like, you know, um, you can't be mad at something your partner did when they didn't know you existed. (laughs) (laughs) It's that simple. And also I say that with like a ton of empathy because I know how easy it is to have retroactive jealousy, which is insecurity underneath the jealousy. It's the feeling of like, I'm not special enough. I would never, you know, they don't want me in the same way. They don't find me attractive the way they find this person attractive. They, Um, you know, the people that they were with before me, um, tell me something about them that I don't know this like hidden version of them that I don't know. And all of that is not true. You know, um, people can, you know, my wife can, I've joked about this on a past episode, like she doesn't have a type. Her type is what feels like, like the exact opposite of the last person. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And I can't look at her sexual history and her romantic history and feel a way about any of it because it's not talking about me. It's not telling me anything about myself. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. That it, it, it literally has nothing to do with you. (laughs) Like that's the thing. It's like, this all happened before you were even part of the picture. Um, And I I think that the idea of like somebody who has had multiple sexual partners is somehow like more prone to cheating is like such a, a silly sort of connection to make because like, yeah, people who have multiple sexual partners are also like very capable of controlling their sexuality. It's not that like, cause it, again, it assumes this premise of, oh, you must be loose. You must have like bad morals. You must be like unable to control yourself if you are having sex with multiple people. As if the person who was having sex with those people wasn't making an active choice to do it in like, oh, right. They were making a choice. And so like they can also make choices about what they're going to do in the future. It doesn't make them like predisposed to like want to have more sex with more people just because they have done it before. That's like saying like, you've swum in multiple swimming pools. So why would you be happy with this beautiful, wonderful pool? That's like built into your backyard. It's like, cause it's a pool. <laughs> like it's yeah. not, it's not like there's like, you can like go and it's really nice to have it like in your backyard and just kind of available to you when you like want to take a dip in it. But like the number of pools doesn't mean that like, you're going to be unhappy with the pool that you currently have. Yes, totally. And I, I say all of this with a lot of empathy. I think that, you know, 
I still struggle with these feelings. I definitely struggled in the past. It makes a lot of sense. And why it makes a lot of sense is not just like the cultural conditioning that we've been talked, we've, we've spoken about, about like sex and purity and monogamy being the only way, which we know isn't true, but it also, it connects to, to deservedness and worthiness and feelings of self-loathing and insecurity. Like I, so much, so much of my jealousy stemmed from fear that I was unlovable and fear that somebody wasn't going to love, you know, they were going to leave me or they were going to find somebody else that was more deserving or more beautiful than I was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all of this is deserves to be approached with empathy and compassion for yourself. And also like a large dose of reality. We, We can't control our partner's we can't change their past. We can either accept them, accept their past mm-hmm. wholeheartedly because it's not going anywhere. It literally cannot be unwritten. You know, the letter writer that 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 inspired this check-in topic can't undo anything, can't mm-hmm. pr- can't doubly prove her trustworthiness by like taking away her past or whatever. <laughs> True. So the choice is we can either accept our partner's past or literally let them go so that yep. they can find someone else who, who does wholeheartedly accept their past. So those are the two choices. Um, yep. yeah. All right. Yeah. And let's find a better way to talk about body part body. <laughs> let's find a better phrase than body count because that's just mm-hmm, like so mm-hmm. murderous, like so Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, okay. <laughs> literally comes from serial killers <laughs> Yeah. or like yeah. soldiers in war or something. Yeah. Right. Like, Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get into our letter. All right. Today's letter is coming to us from Wispy Ghost, which is a name I love, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from a place of equal parts tired, concerned, and hurt. Mm. Maybe this is a letter or more of a check-in topic. I don't know, but I was looking for some outside perspective regarding a friend that I ghosted. Yep, it feels pretty sucky to say, but I did the ghosting and I don't know whether to open that door back up or leave it in the rear view. For context, my best friend and I had been extremely close for probably about seven years from teenagehood into early adulthood. He was my person and I was his, you know. He was there to support me through family traumas, ongoing hardships, an awful breakup, and more. I was there for him through certain hardships of his own, too. Now, he's always been a little self-centered, and even he would acknowledge it himself and make jokes. It hadn't bothered me in the past because it never impacted our relationship negatively, and I loved him no matter what. But finally, a couple years ago, it that changed. Whenever we talked, we talked about him and only him. Like literally we'd be on the phone for an hour and I would barely get a word in edgewise. And if I ever tried to tell him what's going on in my life, be it good or bad, I'd get a, oh, cool. And then he'd talk about himself again. Or worse, I'd get dead freaking silence in response until he started talking about his life again. I confronted him about this twice, probably like once a year at that point. I told him that he was hurting my feelings and that he was my best friend and I wanted to share my life with him as much as he shared it with me. He said, I'm sorry, I just don't know what to say. I told him that was fine, but that anything, literally anything, was better than a dead silence on the phone. It never got better. Then, when I came out to him as bi, I also didn't get the reaction I was hoping for. Joy, excitement, I don't know. 
But all he gave me was confusion and mild bewilderment, which shocked me, given that he himself is gay. And I had told him and I had told him previously that I thought I might be interested in girls. Apparently, he didn't remember. Anyway, the third time I brought up his lack of interest in my daily life, I wasn't mad at him, just sad. I told him that as a result of his inability to meet me in the middle, I needed time and space away from our friendship. He told me that that was exactly why he had called me that day. His boyfriend, of all people, made a comment that helped him realize he had no actual idea what was going on in my life, and he wanted to apologize and amend it. At that point, it was too little too late for me. I had tried telling him several times over the course of three years, but it took one casual comment from his boyfriend to finally notice. That hurt too. We're still friends. I still love you, I told him, but I don't have the emotional bandwidth to communicate with you right now. I'm, I'm hurt. That was about two years ago. I'll react to his posts on occasion and like memes that he sends me, but I rarely respond to his texts and haven't called him at all ever since. I said I needed time and space away from the friendship, but I just never came back. Did that technically count as ghosting? What if I don't want to rekindle that friendship? I'm struggling, feeling guilty over the fact that he was there for me through so many hard things for so long, but now I don't want to cross that bridge to him again. Plus, I'm getting married to my beautiful fiance next year, and I don't know whether or not to invite him to the wedding. He has never even met her as I started dating her just after I walked away from his friendship. I'm torn between letting the friendship stay in the past or breathing new life into it. I don't exactly feel the desire to talk again, but I do sometimes feel sad and guilty and confused and honestly, still kind of mad. Ten years ago, I would have never guessed our friendship would, be end up, would end up here. I don't know what to do, and my tender heart would appreciate any feedback or advice you have to give me. Thank you both again. I've been listening to your podcast for several years now and have truly felt as though I've grown as a result. With much love and gratitude, Wispy Ghost. All right, Wispy Ghost, thank you so much for writing to us and for trusting us with this question. Um, these sort of uh, friend breakups are hard, um, especially when there's, especially because we don't necessarily have a good script for how yes. to change relationships, how to end relationships. Um, and, and often we sort of just kind of let them peter out or there's kind of a big moment that kind of changes everything. And then we stop talking or whatever it is. And we don't really talk about how hard friendship mm -hmm. breakups can be and that they can feel like relationship breakups. They can feel like the death of a loved one. They can be really big for us. Um, and I'm so sorry that you've been carrying around all of this guilt about this, right? Like that you didn't say the right thing or ended in the way that you should have. Um, because I think that you definitely tried your best in this situation. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you told him what you were feeling, uh, told him that you needed space is not ghosting at all, right? That is that is you sort of standing up for what you need and giving a very good explanation for why you need to not be talking to this person anymore. So Sierra and I are going to get a little more into it, offer you some words of love and consolation about this, as well as some words of advice in just a moment. Thank you. 
All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because, <laughs> love it. <laughs> honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash justbreakup for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash justbreakup to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash justbreakup. All right, Head & Heart workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, my darling, thank you so much for writing and trusting us with this letter. As Sam said, we don't really think that you ghosted, although you, I understand your guilt over this. You know, you, you said one thing and you ended up not coming back and, and you have this residual guilt over the fact that you felt like maybe you were in an ongoing conversation and that you never went back to finish it, you know. 
And I just want to echo what Sam said. You know, we we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect in our relationships, in our friendships. We, not only that, but we really carry so much shame and guilt when we are imperfect, when we, when we go get what we need, when we mm. get what we need and maybe like what feels like a, you know, a clunky way, like you needed space and time and you took it and you, yeah, and yeah. in that, and in that space and time, you didn't really feel like you were missing his friendship. You didn't really feel like you were missing that part of your life. So you, so you didn't look back, you know, life comes at you fast. Mm, it uh, it's, not, it's not surprising to me that like two years passed and you're sort of looking back and thinking, Oh man, I never really finished that conversation that I said I would finish. So it's so relatable. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to take a moment to talk a little bit about like a similar experience that I have. When I read this letter, I felt most drawn to talking about um, like love languages and how we learn to communicate and be in relationship with one another. I have a friend who I loved dearly, who I, I, I value a lot, who is also like, not the best at reciprocal conversations <laughs> mm -hmm. or reciprocal check-ins. You know, it's, it's, it's She's talking about me, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not this person's strong suit to, um, ask follow-up questions that, that volley the conversation back and forth. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. So then the conversations naturally end up being this one-sided, like me volleying, volleying against a wall, trying to ask follow-up questions or trying to share parts about myself. Um, and that just like general statement, those conversations are really hard and really draining. Those relationships are hard because you don't feel like, um, you're filling up each other's cups. You feel like you're filling up theirs, you're emptying yours and they, mm -hmm. there's not this like reciprocal thing. Quick side note to my side note story. Um, you know, all relationships ebb and flow and there are always going to be times in which even when you're maybe going through a hard time, your friend needs you <laughs> and mm -hmm. your friend needs to unload and your friend needs to talk about what's going on in their lives. Like that is, it's not always going to be like an equal filling up of cups. But um, in this particular friendship, I remember feeling really one-sided and really um, unthought of. That's what it feels like. You feel uncared for mm. um, when somebody is, you know, you're making an active part to be an effort to be in their lives, to ask about them, to um, invest in their life. And it's not reciprocated. Like it does feel hurtful. Why I was drawn to talk about it, not just because of this lived experience I have, is because part of my uh, healing or moving through that friendship um, to better you know, to, to feel better about this one-sidedness that I felt was to really empathize and empathize with this person and have compassion for the fact that this is just like straight up, not their strong suit. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. and, and I'm not saying that in a way to condemn or condone this behavior. Like it sounds, you know, a one-sided friendship is one-sided friendship. Like there, and that is, 
real and 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 ex, inex, you know inexcusable and you you had every right to walk away from the this friendship i think mm-hmm. i wanted to bring up the fact that like i at one at some point or another i had to sort of accept that this is not my friend's strongest trait that in fact they're very bad at it <laughs> they're yeah. very bad at it and i and i if I were to choose to be in friendship with them, I had to move forward, not expecting this from them. Mm. And I had to weigh the pros and cons of their friendship. Like what else are they bringing to my life? Um, other than these feelings of kind of like loneliness, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and because of whatever reason and because of whatever f- friendship and, and other things that they brought to my life, I am still in friendship with them. I, I value them so much. Um, but I have not come to expect that sort of conversational check-in or interest. It feels like interest. I I feel like there, there are times in which I feel like they're not interested in my life, but I, I just realized that through their childhood or their early friendships or their parents or whatever, this is, they just, they just didn't learn this conversational tool. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I mean, that's so genuinely, and that kind of helped me put it in perspective of like, okay, well, what can I expect from them? Am I okay with this? And it it made me learn the lesson of like, if I need to talk to them about something, I need to be very explicit about it. For sure. Um, And then then this person's able to show up for that. It doesn't sound like this friend in the letter writer was able to even show up for, like, this is not tit for tat. Like, these are not the same situations. It doesn't sound like the friend was able to even you know, entertain that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think like you said in your, in your letter wispy, it's that like, it was too little too late. Even when he like knew that it was suddenly an issue because his boyfriend told him, right. You were like, this is, it's been three years. <laughs> like I, I mm-hmm. have told you this multiple times and, and he, and he never reciprocated or responded. Um, and I will say that like this dynamic is not unfamiliar to me. Um, as somebody who has spent a lot of time around gay and bi men and seen how they interact (laughs) with their female friends, this like (laughs) this sort of like, I'm the, I'm center stage and you are my audience as opposed to like, we are sort of sharing this together. And I will admit, right. Like I am sure that there are lots of relationships with women in my life who have felt something similar about me. And I definitely had to spend time, um, thinking about building up my capacity to ask people questions about themselves. Right. It is not something that I'm super great at. Cause it's not something that my family did either, but I also yeah. had to be like, I need to ask people questions when they ask me a question. My job is also to respond. It's like a social skills class. My, mm-hmm. <laughs> my, mm-hmm. my, uh, special education, uh, husband, teacher, man is probably like, yes, Sam, this is a social skills class where we sit and we practice asking each other questions, which is what he mm-hmm. does with his, with his students. Um, and Cute. someone should have done that for me when I was young. Cause I <laughs> certainly didn't learn how to do it. Um, but I think that like, I think that you sort of looking at this and saying like, that's not a relationship that I want to go back to. I didn't like how I felt when that was happening. I didn't like how he responded are all good enough reasons for you to just let this relationship go. If you want to, I know that you're like carrying around a lot of guilt around it. And, and you're sort of feeling like your question is literally like, what if I don't want to reconnect with this person? And I'm thinking like, then don't reconnect with him. Yeah. Right. And I, th- I think you're sort of carrying around a lot of guilt for how this happened. And you're putting a lot of the blame 
on yourself. But I also want to remind you too, that like you asked for space for this person and he was respectful of that, but he also could have done something, said something, asked a question about your relationship and and he chose not to, right? He still just is like sending you funny memes and, uh, you know, maybe texting you every once in a while. Um, and I know you feel guilty about not responding to those texts. And I'm going to say to you, like, that's okay. It is okay for us to, to create distance between other people, right? Like, it's okay for us to ignore that phone call or it's okay for us to, to not text that person back. And, and I, I think it might be helpful for you to like say something, but at this point it's been two years. Like, I think that he probably gets the picture and I don't think that you need to necessarily like bring it up again. Um, Well, you bring up a great point that it's been two years and he not only have you like moved on in your life, but he's had every opportunity to come to you and say, I really miss our friendship. I see the ways in which I misstepped. I, I want to reinvest in it. You know, mm-hmm. I, no, yeah. I'm surprised that he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and even still, right. You, it was too little too late. Like yeah. that, and that's so legit, right? Like we don't owe forgiveness to everyone, right? We don't, we don't owe friendship reconciliation to people, right? We mm-hmm. can absolutely sort of say, I wish you the best, but also like, I don't want you in my relationship or I don't want to be in relationship with you. Like that is okay. And I know that yeah. like wedding season shit makes everything more fraught. Like I would say that the worst part of planning a wedding was the invitation list because it was like. Mm-hmm. Who am I going to invite? And so I want you, as you're thinking about who you're going to invite to your wedding, remind yourself that this is just a point in time, right? This is, we sort of build weddings up as being like the most momentous day of our lives. And every, if it doesn't go perfectly, well, we're going to regret everything, but it is also of a moment, right? It is about who are you friends with now, right in this, in this point in time. And if you're not friends with this person, you don't have to invite him to your wedding, right? Even even though he was a meaningful person to you in the past, if he's not meaningful to you today, it doesn't mean that he gets an invite, right? And so I want to just like clear you. I want to absolve you of some of this guilt that you're carrying around. And and obviously in this moment really heightened because of the the wedding that you're planning to say that like, friendships come and go. Friendships are really strong for seven years and then suddenly they peter out or they fizzle or they explode Mm -hmm. just like all relationships do. And the way that you handled this friend breakup, uh, was the way that you needed to handle it. Right. And, and you don't owe him any sort of different way of handling the situation at this point, right? Yeah, what's there's done, no going at, back. Right. What's done is done. And, and I think that, I think that spending some more time holding for yourself, the fact that this relationship is over, this friendship is over and it is not yours to try and put the pieces back together to create something that could be meaningful or beautiful for that. Like that's somehow your responsibility. It seems like you're really placing that responsibility on yourself. Mm -hmm. I just want to say that like, it's okay that this friendship is over. You do, you're not required to build it back up again. You're not required to offer some sort of clean break to it if you don't want to. And you get to decide how you want to move forward with that. And if that means that he's no longer in your life, great. Sounds like that's kind of what you want at this point. 
if that means that you want to give it another go, you absolutely can do that. And then if it doesn't work, you can also, again, say, this isn't working for me. We, I can't be in this relationship with you. You get to make choices about this. And, and you don't have to follow some sort of prescribed way of doing it that you've somehow created for yourself that feels not that not only feels impossible, but probably is impossible because it would involve Mm -hmm. like going back in time or like Mm -hmm. changing how he responds to things or doing something that you are not capable of. Right. So yeah, it's just a sticky situation that you found yourself in. And I don't want you to make yourself make it worse for yourself by like beating yourself up about not handling it in the quote unquote right way. Yeah. And I will say, (laughs) Sam's not going to like this. (laughs) Oh, no. No. Well, I just want (laughs) to say, Sam is the architect of block, 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 right? Sam is the one that is much better at like the clean break. And I've learned so much from the block, block, block. And I have forgiven myself and cut people off and done all these things as a disciple of the block, block, block. (laughs) And I carried around a lot of guilt for a long time about past relationships, particularly past friendships, really, where like Mm -hmm. I felt like I was messy or I regretted something, you know, and I am not, I have not been above reaching out to somebody, even if I didn't want an ongoing relationship with them, but I've reached out to say something like, Hey, you know, just so you know, I think about you really, I think about you often, Um, I'm sorry for how things ended in our friendship and I hope you're doing really well. Um, I have a lot of love and respect for the time that we spent in relationship together or Mm -hmm. in friendship together or whatever. And not even sending that email or text or whatever um, as a means to start something back up again, but to, to, I don't know, like to, participate in that conversation as the person you are today and not the person you are when you started it. Um, Mm. I know fully that this goes against our black, black, black uh, scripture (laughs) 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 because I know that we talk about the fact that like we, you know, that closure comes from with, from within and yada, yada, yada. But there have been times in which, I mean, literally, uh, here's two examples. One friend, um, that I did a sort of like ghosting thing, um, on, I, I never reached out to them again. I still haven't spoken to them. This is like almost 20 years at this point. Um, and, but okay. Rounding up to 20 years, probably more <laughs> like, like 15, 15 years old when this happened, you know, I'm about to be 37, right? Oh, so you were 17 years old. <laughs> right. No, I was 19, 20. Anyway, and it you're doesn't still, matter. still holding it. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I, I think of them occasionally, but I've let that, sure. I've let that relationship go and I've let go of the guilt of me expecting myself to be a better friend retroactively. Like I, mm. I gotta let go of that. And the other example is, I like reached out to a friend who I had spoken to in a long time. We sort of drifted apart because of some dramatic reasons. And I just reached out and said, like, just so you know, I think of you every once in a while, 
they had actually reached out to me first a couple of years ago and I never responded. <laughs> sure. Um, and, you know, I think of you um, every so often and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're doing well in the world and um, I, I carry you in a good way. It's not mm. like we're going out to tea every day. It was just like one reconnection that felt really important to both of us. And we're like moving on with the rest of our lives. Sure. I know that this is sort of in antithesis to a lot of the advice we give. And also, you know, you could also just send an, an email, just say like, I'm sorry for how this went down. I'm happy. This is what's going on in my life. I hope you're happy in yours. Bye. Mm -hmm. Got to go yeah. to work. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, I think that those can be, super helpful. Um, and especially if the person like responds with kindness or like, you know, uh, yeah, appreciates, true. appreciates that. Um, but if you're, if you are doing that, you also have to be prepared for the fact that they may not respond well to it. Right. They may, they may think like, why are you reaching out to me with this bullshit? Like I'm still hurting about this. So it is kind of a question of like, what door are you willing to open? And, and it can be really helpful. I would say probably like in my experience, most of the time it is like people respond well because like most of the time people aren't necessarily like holding us with a lot of pain or anxiety. Right. They're not holding it. us the way we hold ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that you could definitely, you could definitely do that. Um, but I also think it's okay for you to just kind of let this, let this Peter out and die. And will he be yeah. hurt by the fact that he is not invited to your wedding? Perhaps. And it's not your responsibility to not hurt everyone around you, right? Like it's okay to disappoint people. It's, it's okay for us to decide that somebody is no longer close enough for us to want to have them be part of something that is momentous to us. And, and yes. that's okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Wedding. You're totally right. The wedding culture is all like nostalgic when it doesn't necessarily have to be. No. And it's supposed to be like, I'm supposed to predict who my close friends are going to be for the rest of my life. Like that's what this, what, that's what being inviting to my wedding means. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. My darling, um, you're not a bad person. You're not a bad friend. Um, you didn't ghost. You're not a ghost. Sorry. You're like a real human person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good luck with wedding planning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and thank you so much for writing. Thank you so much. We love you. We love you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in more content from us or if you are interested in act ad free episodes, you can support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash just break up pod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship meme, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and a review. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his podcast and music. And remember, it's okay if every relationship doesn't end perfectly. It's okay if there are endings that aren't wrapped up with a neat bow or email. That is not a testament to your value or your worthiness as a friend or as a partner. Things aren't clean all the time um, and we're allowed to move through life 
um, day by day. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>